What's going on, team? It's the last trading day of 2022. Who's excited to wrap up this year? I know I am going to get ready for 2023. We hopefully expect to see a better year. It was a tough one. We'll talk about what happened yesterday. Got some growth names, some tech stocks to get a little bit of a lift. We'll take a look at what sectors ended in the green for the year. We'll talk about, of course, Southwest Airline, Rogers deal going through, ABC showing up in the headlines. And of course, we can't get through any show probably without touching a little bit of Elon and Tesla. So definitely smash the thumbs up. Are you guys excited to end the year right here on pre-market prep? Hit the thumbs up. It's time to rise and shine for the final time of the year. Let's get it started, team. Let's go. I want to see some excitement today. We're going to turn the page. Get ready for 23. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, traders, let's get it started. I see you guys excited in the chat. Let's take a look at the SPY action. We are coming down a little bit, of course, um, from yesterday's rally. You know, we closed pretty high up there. Let me cut this back on 15-minute. Joe would kill me if I was in the ones. Uh, yeah, we closed right at 383.36. We'll look to see if we can get back up there right now around 380.99. Low is right now 380.81. We'll see if we kind of bounce back from here. Let's take a look. TLT bonds down also as you're seeing yields get a little bit of a spike today. Um, the 10-year Treasury yield uh, rose about a one basis points around 3.84%. Of course, this has been higher than 4% before. Uh, if we take a look at crude, you can take a look at WTI. I have right now USO here, uh, but crude around WTI 78.15. We'll look back to see if we can break through the 71 support there. If we get into the 60s on crude, will we start seeing these oil stocks really break down? DXY also down today towards 103.70s. Had gotten as low in at 6 a.m. towards 103.50s. So we'll see what happens there in the dollar but let's go ahead let's bring in my man dennis dick what's going on dennis not what too much man it's just me and you it's just me and you oh wait a minute no no Hold on. joel did make the show hell yeah joel's, joel's here, here. That we couldn't do without joel joel is here there he is he's here yeah he's that volatile puppy out there right now raw raw college baby go blue go blue that's Definitely. it man that's oh, it. Man. Go blue. You, you, it's a big you know, Joel's already him. getting. He's going to come back in an absolute miserable mood, or he's going to come back in the best mood ever. There is no in between. <laughs> and I know what it's like. You know, when your team's winning, there's nothing better. When your team's losing, there's nothing worse. That's the bad thing about being a sports fan, and the greatest thing about being a sports fan. So, yeah. big weekend for Joel. Go blue. We're cheering for him. Go blue, go blue. We definitely yeah, want a nice, positive Joel for the beginning of the year. He's a good. Uh, He's actually turned into a little bit more of a bull on this show because, you know, Dennis and I love being on the, on well, the bear side. Bearish, so we need somebody <laughs> on the other. So we, we forced him into the bullish camp just because we've been too bearish. But you know what? I still think, I think the first week or two January could get a little relief pop in some of those growth names. They're front running yeah. it, Mitch. Yeah, they, started they are. jumping ahead of the, they jumped the gun. They started Is it January effect or end yeah. of December effect? Well, I don't know. The January, I know exactly. It's supposed to be January, but anyways, you can see what's actually been happening here. Um, Dave jumped the gun. I mean, bring up Tesla. It's your poster child. It's your leader, and it was your leader. And obviously, started getting a pop there yesterday, and that continues here. Maybe it was, you know, the note from Morgan Stanley. Um, maybe it was just the fact that it was really beaten up and it was due for a rally. So big pop yeah. for Tesla yesterday. Big pop for stocks like a firm we mentioned on the show. Like, you know, all those other beat-up names. Beyond Meat, you know, was squeezing a little bit there yesterday, too. All the beat-up Kathy names squeezing a little bit yesterday, too. I was expecting this in January, 
but they jumped the gun two days early. So I don't know what that means now. Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of stocks were getting a little bit of a lift yesterday. You know, the Zooms, the Rokus, yeah. the Unities, the yeah. Snow, you know, and, and now we'll just have to wait. I think what we need to look for is the day two move. Because the day two move will tell us that, yes, we are getting that kind of continuation back up. And it doesn't mean that these are going to continue driving. I think that eventually these might be rips to sell. But it has been making some lift, right? And I think when you just look at it in the posted child, right? We're talking Tesla here. And we could take a look there. I'm going to bring my lines off. One For thing sure. that I clearly saw yesterday is that we got up to filling in the gap. And then we couldn't really get higher than that. So that, that a little bit is concerning to me. So I'm looking really towards this kind of price action, which is coming from Friday, the 23rd. There's a lot of resistance right above it towards, especially around the 125s. But even off that support, it was acting as resistance here. So now I think we just need to see, can we clear above these levels, right? There's a lot of levels in here, 123.40, 123.50s, right? 123.47, 123.40s. That looks like five star to me. I know Joe would be happy for me pointing that out, but definitely above, let's say the 123.50 area, maybe you even round it to 123. That's what we need to get through today if Tesla's going to have that day two style move. I think I'm hesitant today, but I do think the January effect will come into play here. There could be some tax loss selling. Let's talk about it. Obviously, the Canadians were a couple days ago, but tax loss selling in the U.S. works on trade date. So this is the last day to realize those losses. We've had a lot of beaten up names. Maybe these people are coming in, realizing them off the hop. That mm -hmm. all goes away next week. So that has definitely been weighing on some of these stocks. So we're going to get some of the weight off of them. The problem is it's still bag holder central in all of these stocks. So I think any relief pop you do get in January will likely be short-lived. I do think yeah. there's room for Tesla. I said on the show to 150, you could get a nice little pop. Some about, you know, some people coming in saying, okay, it's cheap enough here now. You could get some of these other pops. And we got nice pops yesterday. But I don't know. You've got to be somewhat cautious here now because we just came off the lows so far. I mean, we hit 108. Now we're 120. I would have liked it better down at 110, 111 playing this as opposed to, you know, now being up at 120. But if we pull back a little bit more, maybe we do the 50% retracement of yesterday's move. 108 up to 123, say again, the 114, 115, 116 area. I do think buyers will emerge here. I do yeah. think it's up well for a trade, trade, trade. I'm going to keep repeating that into early January. I do think by the time we get out, I think though for early 2023, I think as we approach earnings season, I think we're going to get some more earnings warnings, unfortunately. I think it's going to still be an ugly first quarter of 2023, but I wouldn't be surprised with a relief pop next week. Yeah, I think that today is one of those days where I also we should expect a little bit lower volume, right, Dennis, maybe because traders, you know, probably going on vacation. I know I'm on a vacation day. I mean, I'm here in the seat, yeah. but I'm in vacation in my mind. You're and in I vacation mode. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the bigger investors, let's say, are probably taking the day, I would say. What do you think? You have um, more experience I, in this. I, I, I sometimes I think I think there's some traders. Joel's on vacation. He's one of the biggest traders we got out there. Yeah. But I, I do think um Did I lose Dennis right now? Rogers. I am going to forget Rogers, man. I am I can't lose Dennis today. No. Team, help me. Help me. I need Dennis back. Oh man. All right, all right, team. I'll just carry us until Dennis gets back. I'm sure his internet just crapped out on him. Freaking Rogers. And I was going to talk about Rogers today, too. I almost feel like knocking him off the docket now. <laughs> He's still frozen, team. I'm going to put him in the background right now just because I feel, oh, there he is. He's back. Rogers. What a great segue. You got Rogers. This is a great segue. We were just going to talk Rogers. <laughs> we were just going to talk Rogers, buying Shaw, and look. You know, who who uses Rogers? You got to love the choice oh, we man. have in Canada. You got to love all the choices we have in Canada. So here we have Rogers, who I'm on. We have Bell and Telus. And we have Shaw. And we've had issues. So we have four basically community, and, and, and even Shaw. Some of the pipes are done by Rogers. So we basically have, we're going to have three after this. So the merger gets approved. Isn't this fantastic for the consumer? 
What the hell are they thinking? <laughs> we're going to lose another carrier here, and now they're going to become Rogers as well. You can see how stable the Rogers connection is. What a beautiful segue into the worst mess that that gets approved. So anyways, so give us the news here, Mitch. I'm completely yeah, so... disgusted that this merger got approved. <laughs> yeah, I almost knocked it off the docket. If I would have lost Dennis, it, I wouldn't even talk about them. But wireless communication services, like uh, Dennis just mentioned, Rogers Communication here received a green light from Canada's merger court. And that $14.7 billion acquisition of the telecom giant Shaw Communications and I think that this is a, a little bit of a difference than what we get here in the U.S. It seems like the U.S. tries to fight back every big deal. Yeah, they do. And, and it seems like in Canada, is this is this kind of the trend also? Not not so much fight back? Monopoly power in Canada. We're all about monopolies. Oh. Well, yeah, we it, like monopolies in Canada. We, you don't like competition? Yeah, absolutely ridiculous that this gets approved. Yeah. So now we lose another carrier. We now have really just three choices, Bell, Rogers, or Telus. Telus is mostly out west. So really, like if I'm looking, oh, do you want internet here? Well, you have two choices. You can go with Bell or you can go with Rogers. Oh, but, but Bell, wait a second. We don't have a dedicated high-speed line on your road. So if you want high-speed internet on my road where I'm at, you have Rogers. Oh, what's my other choices? Oh, no. You have Rogers. That's your yeah. choice. That's that, ridiculous. It's tough. I'm it's in tough. like I'm in a town. I'm not like in the boonies here. So yeah, I'm like, and... Rogers, you have Rogers. That's all you get. So I don't know what to say. This is exactly what it is. Um this the connection is sometimes stable, sometimes not. It's funny that it went out right when we were gonna speak about that. I didn't we didn't even set that up. That actually did just happen here. So <clears throat> no antitrust concerns for Canadians, I guess. They just say, yeah, you get one choice, live with it. Well, at least what I can see here on the chart, I'm not going to try to judge Rogers by that lovely uh, internet connection because if I it was will. on that, I would just, you know, probably just be shorted. But uh, on the chart itself, this looks like an inverse head and shoulders V type of bottom here. Now we need to just come back here through this 47. You guys can see these highs right here. Multiple times we tried to get through the 47. Can we get through that 47 right now? We're trading up here at, is it at 47? Is that the last price? Is that what you have on the offer? I think that's what, at least from what I'm showing up right now. Um, yeah, definitely. It's up there. Uh, we looks just like don't there have was... enough choice. You know, to Pablo's point, Air Canada kind of runs Canadian Airlines. I mean, they keep them intentionally out. I mean, for years, DirecTV tried, you know, back go back 20 years ago. DirecTV, Dish was trying to come in to provide, you know, services in Canada. They won't allow them in. No, no, no. We protect Bell at all costs. We are not allowed to yeah. So I, I, I think it's an important breaks, thing, but the but the mindset of the government that's running and maybe it's crony capitalism or whatever it is that you know you have people coming in that have come that are ties to Bell and then they control obviously the government. I don't know what it is in Canada, but we have so many monopolistic industries here; it's ridiculous. Yeah, we need to get you uh, on that uh, Elon <laughs> on that Starlink. Uh, I don't even know if Starlink's available. They probably for won't you, let Dennis. them in. Canada won't let that. You know in. what? We'll we'll do a little research for this, and we'll do we'll see, we'll find out if we can get you this. Highly Starlink. doubt they'll let them. But know. the only thing is, Starlink isn't that fast either. I mean, it's a hundred megabytes, right? I mean, it's not insane, right? It's yeah. only like about a hundred, maybe two hundred megabytes. That's not it's not ridiculous speed. Uh, but let's move forward. Let's get out of Rogers. I don't want to talk about internet. No, it's just let's, making me upset. Yeah, I think it think it makes You're us ruining all my upset. day. Before the day started. Uh, let's get towards, um, well, I don't want to bring up Southwest Airlines for some people that are really struggling there. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on with but the But Joel rise. did get there, right, Mitch? Yes, he so did. Joel is there safe. Joel he got made on it. a Southwest Airline flight and actually I think got what helped his him, destination. Yeah, I think what helped him is that he was, he was flying through Southwest west airlines but it wasn't an actual southwest airlines plane like it was one of their kind of uh their partners that they fly with um so that kind of might have helped them but southwest airline mentioning that this meltdown of course is going to hit their four quarter results i mean that's kind of obvious now right i mean when you're canceling that many uh flights yeah i mean the the, the revenue at the bottom isn't going to be the same right on the expectations um so at this point um, I think love has no love. 
I don't think there should, should probably be anyone buying this company right now. What do you think? Do you think people uh, are jumping into this? You got some support down here, though, and the airlines have held up well, and people are still of the opinion that people will travel. I mean, I don't know this COVID bug that's coming over there from China. If everybody's going to get sick here again with new variants, that's what people are warning, like Scott Gottlieb on CNBC. And Jim Cramer's warning about it, too. I'm kind of done with the COVID. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to go about my business. Um, the airlines have been hit a little bit here. Obviously, Love has been hit you know, substantially on their own businesses yeah. here, but they are off the highs. Can they get a little bit of relief pop in 2023, early 2023? Maybe, maybe. Um, I wouldn't get married to any of these positions, though, because I still think we're going to go into rougher times as we go further into 2023. I do think people are going to look at their bills and they're going to be like, oh, you know, my mortgage payment. Oh, this, you know, oh, well, stuff's just not as cheap. Oh, these car payments. Oh, you know, I think it's going to start to hit people. So I think it takes time for people to realize that, hey, I don't, I'm not as liquid. I don't have as much cash. And the wealth effect. I mean, we don't even talk about the wealth effect. There's been some wealth lost in this market. There's been some wealth lost in those gross stocks. Talk to the landscaping buddy. Um, and he said, you know what? It's not interest rates that hit our businesses. Um, he says, I have a lot of higher end customers. It's like the stock market. When the stock market goes down, people don't want to do as much because they're pissed off. It's not that they can't afford to do it, he says, mm -hmm. but they just lost a lot of money in the stock market. They're down 20% of their net worth and they yeah. don't feel like doing a huge landscaping project on their home. They don't feel like doing this kind of stuff. So he says, you know, that that's where his concern is. So the wealth effect plays here as well. You add up all these chips and you think, is this going to continue? Are corporate earnings just going to continue to hum along as the pace they were? Or do we have an issue where maybe, just maybe, um, you know, this, this recession actually does eventually hit? I think one of the things that we need to keep in mind is exactly that the, the consumer at least hasn't really shown the breaking sign, right? We've started to see weakening, but we haven't seen that complete crack. And I think that that's what we're going to be looking for in early 23. Does it just go from some demand in the holidays because, of course, you know, some holiday shopping, and then all of a sudden, boom, everyone just tries to tighten up in January and February, and you see everybody just trying to make sure that the expenses aren't increasing there. I think that's how a lot of people will probably approach the year, especially at the beginning, because even though we're seeing inflation go down and maybe in the statistics, yeah. we all know that's not going to change in the grocery stores, right? All right, let's keep moving. Let's go to Tesla right quick, and then we'll get over to talk a little bit about ABC. We do got our guest later today, CC Legator, uh, co-founder of the Alligator. AI. The Alligator is going to come on in and destroy us. No, I think one of the best options traders is definitely joining us For soon. Sure. So if you like options, stick around, team. Hit the thumbs up. Let's talk about Tesla here. As yesterday, Barron's report uh, was kind of state that Elon was getting a margin call on his Twitter loan. And that, that wasn't the case, it seems like, because it seems like there was a couple of Tesla bulls defending here. Uh, Futures fund Gary Black tweeted that Musk had never taken a margin loan when he bought Twitter. So it seems like Barron's tried to quickly uh, get back and, and kind of take that headline back. back. Off on that. Now, now we need to kind of see what happens from this. Do you think that was just kind of more talk or do you think we'll actually get some news out of this, Dennis? Um, I, I don't, it, it's hard to say because as the stock goes lower, it's not, you know, comforting if he's using Tesla stock to back up his loan, there's going to be concerns about this. Has that happened already? It's impossible to know. So, yeah. but the stock has come down significantly. It's down 40% December. I mean, it's just been an awful year for Tesla shareholders here. Again, I do think you get the relief pop here in early 2023. I do think you're going to have some bottom fishers maybe potentially coming in. That tax loss selling will go away next week. It is getting hit with that. Don't kid yourself. So I'm actually be a buyer for short term for Tesla, not getting married to. But again, if I'm buying it, I'd stop myself out on the low of the move. So I'd like it to come in a little bit more so I don't have to stop myself out like 10 points lower. I'd love it. It was like 114, 115. And to those who bought it at 112 or 113 yesterday, you know, that's you know, looking pretty nice there because your stop's way down at 108. So you're only yeah. risking four or five bucks if you're down there. Here you're risking 10 bucks. So again, setting up all these trades, if I'm buying any of these beaten down Kathy names, which I might be, I haven't really struck yet. I did some day trading in them. 
but I haven't really struck for a position trade on any of these things yet because they jumped the gun early and I was concerned that there could be some pullback. I will be looking to potentially maybe buy some of these today. I will stop myself out on the lows of the move. But, you know, to that point, um, we had some inside buying yesterday, just sneaky inside buying last night, hitting the tape crowd strike. We had mm-hmm. an executive buying some shares. We had Coinbase. We had an executive buying some shares. So we're starting to see a little bit. We also had ChargePoint, full disclosure, I have a position in ChargePoint, um, which I will be selling out of. CHPT had some inside buying yesterday. So you're starting to see a few inside buyers nibble into some of their stocks. Maybe they feel like they're beat up enough here. But I don't know. What do you think, Mitch? You go into next week here. Do you change your mindset or you just kind of stick? You know, you get, you know, great traders, you know. Um, well, yeah. one thing that I'll be looking at is the IWM. Why the IWM, right? Because a lot of the January effect is more for kind of even the smaller cap names than some of the larger cap names. At least that's what statistics say. So if there's anything that maybe might get a little bit of movement, um, that's kind of the area that I'll also be looking for some of these cheaper names. I know we don't talk too much about those on pre-market prep here, but definitely I can see those having a little bit of a January effect. Um, The bigger stocks I'm still a little bit concerned about, like, how do you just come on in and just buy this chart of Apple, right? Like, it's just very difficult because at least if you're a chart person, I mean, this doesn't, this doesn't feel any type of confidence or build any type of confidence in Apple. Right. One of the things that we just did on Apple, we just cracked through that uh, June low. Now we're using that almost like as resistance right now. You can see that with the body closing uh, above, right below this 129 area. And so now I want to see if that 129, if we can actually get above towards the 130. If we can do that move, then I could see some people using that kind of Wednesday low as their bogey 125, 87, and then maybe using that. But if we take that out today and we take out 125, 87, that's when I see us starting back on the takedown. And I could also see us maybe getting a little bit of a takedown today and then maybe a little bit of a rally going into the first week of the year. Um, I know that uh, Apple is going to be one of the most important stocks for me to watch today because if I see it going, a lot of the times the market follows. We'll have to wait and see. Microsoft chart doesn't look the best either. Google doesn't look the best. Um, you at least got some lows that you're going to. I lean on the lows. Yeah, you have if to lean on the lows. If you're going to come into these stocks as a potential bounce play for early January, and they could, um, I'd lean on the lows of the move. So we just had recent lows and we bounced off them nice mm-hmm. yesterday. You don't want to see Apple breach the 125.87 from two days ago. You don't want to see Google, if we go with GOOG, breach the 86.37 from a couple days ago. So these actually set up well to buy the dip today if you believe that we could get a pop in early January. But you know what could just completely you know, throw everything out? And this is a scary thought here too is a potential Tommy Lackey, you know, talks about this, the tape bomb. Yeah, the tape bomb. I bombs. do think as we get closer to earnings season, you're going to get one or two big companies warning. And if they warn, that will just derail any type of rally. So I would say watch out for the tape bomb. I'd say no news is good news. And I do think if we get a period maybe next week where we have no real bad news hitting the markets, that this market can rally. And maybe for a week or two. I do think eventually the tape bomb is coming. I do think if you get a rally, it's going to be a good selling opportunity. Um, if we could, for whatever reason, you know, get a rally on the S&P up to like, you know, th- uh, close to 4000 if we got there, I'd be selling with two hands and raising even more cash in the long-term portfolio. So I don't think by any means we're out of the woods. When I talk about this January effect, I'm not saying, oh, it's going to turn around. We're all going to get our money back. And, you know, I think it's just a trade. I think it's a trade. For maybe the first week or two until we get that first tape bomb that comes in and derails the whole thing. So that's the issue that I have. I think the economy is going to go off a cliff in 2023. I think that hits probably, maybe it doesn't even hit in the first quarter. Maybe it doesn't hit till like you start feeling like February, March, but I don't know. Yeah. It could hit sooner than you think, too. Let's find out, you know, maybe the consumer found money through the Christmas holidays. Maybe, you know, the fourth quarter of 2022 is going to be a decent quarter for a lot of companies. But I think once we get in that first quarter earnings of 2023, I think it's going to be less spending. Yeah, I agree with that outlook there. And I think that you're right on the warnings coming probably mid-January, something like that, right? We could get the January effect, a little bit of a run, maybe. and then pow, 
right back down because of some warnings with the big boys coming in in mid-January to the end. We start getting some of these reports, some of these bigger reports. They could shake things up. Uh, now, we did get questions in the chat about oil. Let's talk a little bit about oil and what do you see from these stocks like XOM, Oxy. A little part of me, you know, has been in the bull camp for 2022 in oil. Yeah. But I'm also starting to turn a little bit more to the bearish camp. Why? Because I feel like there's headwinds that come into play now. What are some of the headwinds that could come into play? Well, of course, demand destruction, right? Recession concerns. If we are going to start seeing that start to, to play in effect, what will happen to these stocks, right? Another question for me is what happens with the price of crude oil, right? Are we going to go down into the 60s, into the 50s? How profitable are these companies at those prices, right? I know they've been in favor because of the low PE, but at some point, I feel like this trade uh, turns next year and it has a rapid turn to the downside. Um, yeah, I think it's going to hit rapidly as well. I think they're crowded longs and people are looking at the P's and saying, how can I go wrong? You know, the P's are low here. Again, these are cyclical Ooh. businesses, though. If the economy does go into a recession, those P's will rise quickly because those E's will go down. So just be cautious, just jumping in because something has a P of four or five or six. Usually when the P's get that low, it means the earnings aren't sustainable or they're very cyclical. In the case of oil stocks, they are cyclical. So if my, you know, and, 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 and I, I don't have a crystal ball, I don't know anything yeah. for certain, but if I'm correct and we do go into recession 2023, oil stocks will get hit as well. You're not safe in oil. The only thing you'll be safe in is cash if the economy uh, indeed does go into recession. Now, again, maybe we get that soft landing, you know, not that, you know, it's very common, but maybe we get that soft landing. Maybe it all happens for the bulls. Maybe we start to you know, build on something. Maybe the Fed does pivot earlier than expected. But I'm going to just keep listening to the Fed. The Fed will signal when it's okay to go in. So I do think, you know, they told us to get out basically in November of 2021 because that's when they started talking about raising rates quickly to get on top of inflation. If we would have been listening, we would have been selling at the highs. So why not wait for the Fed to tell us to go in? before yeah. we jump in like and say, okay, let's get out of 50% cash and let's go all in the market. People say, why aren't you 100% cash? I never go 100% cash in a long-term account. You know, I've got a retirement account just sitting there. I'm 100% cash my trading account all the time. But in the long-term account, my investment account, I just don't do it. It's just not me. I'm not trying to be a hero and say, yeah, I'm going to time it all perfectly. I want to, and I have some core positions I've just had for a long time that I just don't intend to sell. But anything short-term that I had in there that I had bought in the last year, I pretty much sold it. So I'm sitting here, you know, and will I deploy some of it in early January? That's going to be more trading. That January effects going to be more trading stuff as opposed to long-term investing. Yeah, here I put on my Twitter yesterday. In each of the three previous bear markets, it took a long time for the stock market to bottom out after the central bank enacted the first rate cut of an easing cycle, right? And so this is what we need to kind of keep in mind, right? In the bear markets, what's going on? True, right? Going back to 1950, S&P 500 has sold off at least 15% on 17 occasions. On 11 of those 17 occasions, the stock market managed to bottom out only around the time that the Fed shifted towards loosening monetary policy again. This is why I have been in the camp that until we see the pivot, that's when we could start seeing the bottom, right. not the slowing down of the rates, because the slowing down of the rates, yes, they're slowing down. But we've talked about this, the lagged effect of the, all the interest rates before that. They take some time to hit the economy. Yeah, they do. And by the time they hit the economy, that's when they're probably going to start mentioning that they're going towards cutting rates. That's when I can think we see the bottoming action. But I think just, people are just so excited to think that, you know, oh, it's all going to turn around and they want to believe. And, and it might happen. I mean, but history has told us that when you have a bear market of this, you know, magnitude with interest rates going up, with all the macro concerns, with all the headwinds and coming off of a bubble, that yeah. it probably takes longer to get your money back. You know, people will say, oh, the average bear market's only 18 months. That means I'm going to get all my money back if I hold on through the year. That doesn't have to happen. And on individual stocks, it's absolutely not going to happen. 
there's going to be a lot of these stocks that are actually we haven't seen any bankruptcies yet man. yes Dennis, there hasn't that's even literally been what i was thinking was right now the only thing on my mind was zombie stocks zombie stocks zombie yeah. stocks when did those zombies start showing up yeah when do we start seeing these companies disappear yeah. that's when i think we'll start seeing more bottoming action right and i think that still is yet to happen there's massive amounts of companies that are going through cash burn right now and it's more survival of the fittest Who's going to survive? There's going to be some that might disappear. Yeah, I think you just got to be still cautious here. I don't mm -hmm. think, I, like I said, I think you're going to get a rally, and I think it's going to be a rally to be sold. So I'm going to stick with that You know, theme that I've got going on yeah. here is that selling the rips worked well in 2022. I'm going to continue to sell the whips, rips, and I'm going to be cautious with the dip buying, at least for now. Again, maybe when the next week we're going to get a nice trading opportunity it already has started to materialize and some of these beaten down names i probably would be a buyer for a trade of some of these beaten down growth names today hoping they get the pop in early january but look out for those tape bombs all right so i want to go ahead and bring in here a headline we can go ahead and talk about let's go i wanted to take a look really at the sectors and the outlook there here and so the big thing here is that we can clearly see of course i'm going to take communications off what was in the green this year right um we could just go here um let me go to the tracker here and it'll just go ahead and i'll do it from here we'll do it from year over year overview sure. Um, so the big thing is, of course, XLE, right? XLE was the only one into the green for the year. And you guys can see that here by just the chart, 56.61%. These are the spider ETFs, right? And I think that one of the things that we need to always kind of think, think about is what sector rotations are going to be moving into maybe the top three or also the bottom three. Will those come back roaring, right? So the bottom ones, right? Technology, real estate communicate uh communication services discretionary down big which one of these do you feel has a better 23 i'll put dennis on the spot um man so you're looking you four. At, and again i gotta get my glasses right out here i don't know if i got blow you it up zoom a little in. bit more because it's really hard to see it i'll zoom in okay there you. we go what's gonna have a better 2023 healthcare mm, is it healthcare was still down xlv I okay. still think on the pullback in my long-term portfolio, I would add my drug stocks. One, because they're a little bit recession resilient, a lot better than a lot of other things. And then again, a lot of them have run. So I don't want to chase Merck here. I don't want to chase Pfizer here. I don't want to chase AbbVie here. I want to pull back. Maybe the January effect brings these stocks down. I mm -hmm. think you'll see rotation potentially happen that first week. You know, bring me Merck back down 10 bucks. Bring me some Lily back down 20 bucks. And, you know, then you start to maybe look at those. So wait for the dips. I'd say still buying on dips, but I, uh, healthcare I'd like to own, cash. Back half of 2023, we're going to go tech. So, I mean, I think okay. we get past. Once the Fed gives us the green light, that's when we're going to go heavy into tech. But the Fed has not even close to giving us to a green light. So I'm going to keep listening to the Fed. Yeah, I'm going to try to stay into the strong ones as, as long as I can. I think energy, uh, healthcare, um, I'm even looking at a little bit at the financials. I, I know that the recession concerns could come, but I've seen them stay pretty strong. We'll see what happens next year. One of the things that I also wanted to point out is that in the spiders, there's only one sector that's in the green. But for me, that I use a lot of my TC2000, and you guys see me use this all the time, is that a lot of the times I like my TC2000 index because they're equally weighted versus what you see in the spiders that have heavily weighted some of the top conviction stocks, right? And I think that that sometimes can actually hurt you in your diversification because sometimes when you're too highly concentrated in a loser, what happens to the ETF? It just gets dragged down, right? And so I think on some of these spider ETFs that a lot of people use, and I can't blame them for the outlook, some of this gives you a bad outlook in certain areas that at least if you're equally weighted, you'll see it aren't as bad. Like for me, consumer defensives, um, consumer defensives overall are not looking too bad here. Um, and overall, they're at, I have it up 9% on an equally weighted basis. So that just shows me a little bit more about correlation. And I wanted to take this more to a conversation with Dennis. Um, do you have a tendency, at least for your long-term portfolio, to look 
into correlation yeah, and how sure. you're I, balancing out your portfolio. This is what I do, period. You know, that's diversification you're talking about too. But correlations, I'm a relationship guy. Long term, short term, medium term. I look for cues. You know, Tesla was a cue yesterday when it started rallying that we were likely to see a rally in a firm. We were likely to see a rally in, um, you know, all these beaten down Kathy names, you know, beyond me too. And not that that's a Kathy name, but, you know, Tesla let. Tesla started rallying two days ago. Those stocks lagged by almost a day, some of them, gave you a good opportunity for a trade yesterday. Um, you know, does that continue? I don't know. Leave Tesla as your leader here. Tesla's pulling back a little bit. It started pulling back. And obviously, a lot of these other leaders have pulled back here too. So I think you just continue to use, you know, those relationships everywhere. It's, it's, it's very underrated. I mean, as much as technical analysis, and I've said this before, technical analysis is very overrated by the retail trader. Relationship-based trading is very underrated. The most successful traders that I've seen at Bright Trading over the course of my 22 years with the firm were relationship-based, pairs-based, Rob Friesen-based, understanding that if this occurs, this stock is likely to move off and here's the peers. And there's a lag effect. And what you know the inefficiency traders and statistical arbitrage traders try to do is take advantage of that little lag effect. Sometimes it's only a few seconds. Sometimes it's minutes. Sometimes it can be days, the lag effect. So I think it's important for traders to understand relationships for everything. You know, like I always say, when I'm trading bank stocks, first thing I'm looking at is the TLT. The TLT is trading down. The bank stocks are likely to be higher. Now we're in this wacky market environment here right now where it's not the same, where you're actually seeing some stocks rally. You're seeing some stocks, you know, um, just all kind of move together. TLT is kind of just leading the market. In normalized markets, the, the equities often move opposite to the TLT, but we're not seeing that. We're just seeing the TLT actually drive the bus. It's been a good tell. You know, yesterday, TLT trying to rally a little bit, trying to give it back here a little bit as well. If you look even to the recent sell-off in the markets, TLT started breaking kind of before the markets did. So, I mean, it's a good indicator. So understanding just those intricate relationships will give you an edge. <clears throat> Definitely. I wanted to note that because I feel like a lot of traders, yeah, we look at technicals and you guys will hear me mention a bunch of different things, but really statistical data, there's edge there, team. You just got to find it. And that's yeah, what sure. I think Dennis talks about often. And there's a lot of traders that have, you know, long years of experience. And the reason why I think they've had a long career is because they've been more statistical and non-discretionary then more in that discretionary style strategy. Uh, but let's get out of this talk. Let's go to our guest today. We got CC Legator, co-founder of Alligator AI. Let's go. All right. What's going on, CC? How are we doing? Whoa, what an intro. That's hey. new. We're working on these, CC. <laughs> We're stuck. You know, we're trying to compete with CNBC here, so we gotta get the fancy intro. That was like, I felt like a wrestler. Like we're a, trying to get the bells and the whistles here going now. Too. The only like thing a WWE is WWE entrance. Like I was coming in to like save the it. match. Oh, oh, you, you know, Cole, you know, I actually back. have that right. He's back, John Cena. Let's go, <laughs> CC, coming into the ring here. What's going on, CC? What do you see inside How's it going? the ring? Good. Um. Yeah, it's interesting what some of the discussions you all have already been having, um, mm -hmm. you know, like what Dennis was pointing out about not being surprised to see some sort of relief rally to start the year. And, you know, just looking at it, the options market, the setup basically is, you know, after we had all of that, you know, that crazy data, you know, right before the holidays with like CPI and the, you know, the Fed rate announcements and everything like that, Vol had been like pumped up, like the <clears throat> the options in the market looked like the market was about to report earnings. You know what I mean? And then after that, there was like sort of a cool off period going into the holidays and year end. And that's sort of what we are in right now, despite, you know, the market still kind of being, you know, fairly volatile day to day. The same, it looks the same coming out the first, you know, let's say two weeks of January where, you know, you can see the VIX is at the lower end of the range it's been for the past year. Options vol in the first two weeks of January looks a little bit, you know, a little quiet. And then right around like the 13th, it's when the banks start reporting. And then that, you know, sort of third to fourth week, you know, you start getting Tesla, you starting getting those like big cap names reporting. 
And then you, it looks, you know, the vol starts to, you know, ramp up out there, you know, towards the end of January. So I think, you know, what Dennis was saying about, you know, if you're, if you're looking for some, you know, potentially contrarian trades from the long side, you're doing stuff down near the lows of these charts, uh, just be, you know, be aware that if your timetable is like a couple of weeks, look to those expiries, you know, right before that third week, that second and third week, or it's really third week of January, because that's when the earnings start rolling in for real. I mean, All there's right. so much to look at. And, I, and, and again, this is why we bring you on, because we don't look at the options enough. But um, just to get that feel, I love it when, you know, you show your charts on your expected moves. Yes. And, you know, and you see so, so many times. And obviously, we're out of earnings season right now. But we're going to come into earnings season. In yeah, it's coming year. up. And it's always, you know, a good idea to keep an eye on those expected moves. And, you know, can you just explain that for newer listeners here? You know, when you're coming in and you're coming into earnings season and, you know, you analyze specific stocks. And we love bringing you on in earnings season just to look at those expected moves. How do you calculate that and what does it mean? Yeah, so it's basically a reflection. You know, you hear, in fact, I was just saying it, you know, when you talk auctions, you talk implied vol, right? So implied vol is basically that extra premium of uncertainty that the options market is pricing, right? And so when you go into a holiday week like this, you know, options premium gets crushed and it gets crushed, you know, a month before. Everybody knows Christmas and New Year's is coming, right? And there's no big economic data and there's no earnings. So, you know, options premium during that week is only expecting, you know, like a one and a half percent move in the market at most. And that's what those options look like. Now, when you get to those huge weeks, you know, like the Fed announcement and the CPI, all of a sudden the options market's got to price all of that uncertainty. It's, it has to price the potential of a three percent move or a three and a half percent move. And on our charts on Options AI, what you'll see is it's basically... You know, the market expectations look like this, like a little cone, and then they spike yeah. out, right? And you can see that, like I can look at our SPY chart, for instance, right now, and right around January 13th, it starts to spike out. And that's basically people looking to the end of January, you know, to sort of, you know, what you all have been talking about. It's like, do we start to see some tape bombs? Do we see, you know, all of these effects, basically what the Fed is trying to engineer, you know, do, like uh, crushing the consumer, which is a really weird thing that everybody's has to root for which is very strange yeah yeah um you know it does it start to hit and that that would come at like sort of the end of january all right now one thing i wanted to ask is that you see a lot of options trading i'm sure right and i think that if anyone knows about trends that are out there it might be ucc so what do you see that you saw in 2022 uh trends out there that maybe some were working some were definitely not working this year well, I wanted to start with um, something It's kind of on the nerdy side, but it's interesting because it's getting headlines right now. And everybody had sort of forgotten about this in the market. Um, there's been a bunch of headlines recently, especially over the last couple of weeks, about put call ratio in the market. I'm not sure if you guys have you know seen those. Mm -hmm. And so when that story gets told, it's very similar, like when you see articles about the VIX and all it's it's you know, the VIX is a tough thing to predict market moves off of. I think you know, in general, at extremes, it's contrarian. Um, Honestly, I, can I can I stop you there for a second? Yeah. You could say that a million times because I feel like there's so many traders out there yeah. that feel like VIX gives so much edge. But yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm with you. It's only at extreme moments that it's really it, given the best edge. It's, it's at extremes. And, you know, this is I've always felt this, you know, I'm not I've always been a, an options trader. My tendencies within normal trading like swing trading and all like i'm not that good in the middle i'm great at the extremes or at least i like to think yeah. i am and that's sort of the way i look at the vix too if it's dancing around 25 and it ticks down to 23 i read nothing into that but when it's just swung from you know it, when it's gone from 19 up to 35 i'm like all right things are getting a little bonkers here right so that's the way i would look at that and so put call ratio is interesting because it also can be a contrarian indicator. So when you see a bunch of puts being bought, like at, you know, let's say two days ago when the market was tanking before that little relief bounce, um, you know, there was headlines saying like, this is literally record breaking put call ratio. And it was right. Like, so the put call ratios, the way that works is it's, if you see a number of one, that's all equal amount of puts and calls being bought. And you're usually seeing it reference to what happened that day, right? Like the daily put call ratio. So what's happening is 
and we haven't seen this in over a decade, is because interest rates are so high on borrowing stock and lending stock and things, things that we've never seen, that is now working its way into the options market. Mm. And on top of that, stocks are down, you know, a lot, right? So you take like a stock like Tesla that's down 70% or, you know, <laughs> any of these stocks. So what ends up happening is a lot of these puts that exist, especially into year end, are now deep in the money, right? So let's say if a stock started the year at 100 and now it's at 50, there's a bunch of like 80 puts out there, right? And what happens is professionals go in and they do these zero delta trades in all of those in the money puts. And then they immediately exercise those puts. And they're basically the way exercise and assignment works in the market is that gets spun out in a wheel randomly to everybody that's short that put as part of like a put spread and things like that. And unfortunately, retail gets stuck with those assignments and then they get to have to pay the borrowing cost to that person for those next couple of days while that clears. So it's essentially an ARB happening in the market right now. And it's only because we, after 10 years of zero interest rates, we now have, you know, it costs money to borrow stock and, you know, to lend, you earn money from lending stock and all of those things. And so what's happening is you, when you see that put call ratio, that's like two something, you know, like it's like twice as many puts, this is record breaking. Yeah. You have to look where those puts were, because if they were deep in the money puts, it's this ARB happening and it's happening right, you know, a couple of days into expiration and all. And so from a retail standpoint, if you are an options trader and you have like, you know, deep in the money put spreads or deep in the money call spreads and things like that. As soon as those things go 100 deltas and you're at risk of getting plugged with long stock on an assignment, you should be closing out those trades because it could cost you a lot of money, especially like into a long weekend is you have that borrowing cost of that new stock position over the, you know, over the weekend and all. And so this is something we started noticing it a couple of months ago and I had forgotten about it because I hadn't seen it in so long, but it's basically like a row play, which is one of the Greeks is, is like the, sort of the, you know, the interest rate input. Yeah. The one that's forgotten often, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, nobody's cared. Of, nobody's had to care it, about it for 15 It years. actually happened to me, CC on my Merck. So I said about how I sold my Merck. I wasn't intending to sell my Merck position for yeah. until January, but I had the January calls written yeah. <laughs> and boom, you yeah. know, they, they exercise and they call you up and, retail yeah. here and they stuck me with it and, and like, it used oh, to be really annoying when i was a market maker it was so annoying because in a stock like this you know you had like a million different options positions and what they do is they go out hunting the big lines with a ton of open interest so you could i mean you could pull up tesla like options chains and look for the lines with a ton of open interest that are above where the stock's trading and you're going to see a ton of volume on those lines and it's basically professionals trading with each other at zero delta and then immediately, you know, doing this ARB. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, so long story short for the market, don't look at that. Or if you see those put call ratio articles and like people panicking on TV and all about that number, yeah. just know, like, remember what I just said and look to look to make sure it's not that, which it has been recently. Definitely look underneath the hood. Not yeah. a lot of traders feel like they do that. There's one thing just hearing a statistical data. There's another thing actually doing the work and understanding how it works there. Yeah. Appreciate you bringing that up there, CC. Now yeah. I'll, let's bring a question about 23. What yeah. do you expect to be happening in 23? We just talked about potentially what you saw in 22 there. Do you expect to see more of this in 23 and what strategies have been working so as we could be looking towards that in 23. And then from there, I do have a question from Paul that I do want to ask you really quickly. If you adjust your strategies based on risk and do you primarily write options? Right. So I think for 23, well, like what I just talked about, that's going to, everybody needs to be aware of that. And so okay. I think the best way to do it is as soon as you have a position that is a hundred deltas, you know, that you could be assigned on part of that, you know, you've got to be aware of that and you, you okay. should be exiting that trades, even if it costs you 10 cents from max gain or whatever. Um, I think the interesting thing is last year was a really predictable, as far as the options market goes, it was a really predictable swing in volatility, right? And so it basically, all of those all of those rallies we saw that then failed and then all of those, you know, deeper 
market sell-offs, it, the vol was basically, you know, the VIX was bouncing between 20 and 30 all year. And the 30s usually mark, you know, the bottom of the sell-off and then the, the VIX would hit 19 and you knew to sell everything, right? And it was about to go lower. I think, you know, people should be aware of that right now, but the VIX is starting at, in the low 20s to start this year with the market near the lows, right? And I think that's a little confusing. And I think the next thing is, you know, to look forward to is when we were, you know, back in late summer and early fall, it looked, there was no timeline for the end of the Fed, right? And what spooked the market the last couple of weeks is basically that it might be longer, you know, higher rates for longer, I guess, is like in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. uh, that's like sort of the only thing that changed. But really the timetable of their, them ending the raising of the rates is probably still on schedule, right? Or at least them, you know, continuing going down. We might see, you know, who knows what we might see. But anyway, what that means is at some point you are going to remove that variable where we're all talking about the Fed every month, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't know when that happens, but it's probably by spring or something like that, where we it's, it becomes much more predictable. And so that's going to have an interesting effect on volatility. And so, you know, like when Dennis was talking earlier about the next, you know, couple of weeks, I would be I would be looking in the next couple of weeks. I would look at like credit put spreads down at those lows on the charts that you all were just showing, you know, that it was that that happened two days ago and do credit put spreads down there for the next couple of weeks. But longer term, like looking out to, you know, beyond these earnings and all, you know, I was looking at Tesla the other day and I wouldn't, I'm not recommending, I wouldn't buy Tesla with, with um, Joel's money. But uh, the, there's some interesting things going on there where that stock is essentially every two days, that stock is moving like $10, right? Yeah. And if you go out even to like February and March, there are like call spreads and put spreads in a stock like that where you're buying sort of an at the money call and you're selling an upside call like towards the expected move where you're only paying ten dollars for a trade like that. And you're taking advantage of all of that, you know, high volatility out of the money. And those kinds of, you know, setups, if you, you know, if you want to do, if, if there's a beaten down stock that you really like right here into year end that you think could have the first, you know, good two months of the year, look to those little like call spreads out there. And you might be, you might be surprised how little in a dollar amount that trade looks like, right? And then the same thing, obviously, like if you're pressing shorts or if you're still hedging at this point. Um, you know, you got to be smart with it. Like you, you try to not to spend a ton of money. And so that's either via a put spread or like a cheap put or something like that. But um, yeah, so I think short term, I think you got to look at like, <clears throat> you know, maybe like credit put spreads at the lows. If you're looking out a couple of months, there's some pretty interesting call spreads out there that, you know, you're like, oh, that stock just was down $8 last week. And this call spread out in March is only $8. You know, like, so I just need it to recover what happened last week in the next three months, you know, so I would start looking at like spreads like that for the next couple of months. Well, perfect. Thank you for joining us to wrap up the year. Uh, yeah. We'll definitely have a great one. We'll bring you back. I wanted to throw up in the chat here because I am seeing lots of love for you right now. If you guys want to check out more of Options AI, go ahead and check it out. Throw up the link there. We'll bring you back next and, year. Have a good end of the year. Mitch, one quick thing yeah, out of the year and present for everybody. So we just launched a new subscription service. And it's especially, you know, for those people that are like just getting into option spreads and don't feel like they're ready for a brokerage account or anything, or those people out of the country in Canada and all, um, we just launched a subscription service. And so if people go and sign up for that, it's normally like $19 a month. Um, you get a discount using the code uh, Zynga, all caps. Ooh, um, I got that. Yeah. Oh, Mo. Oh, thanks, giving us Chris, late Christmas gifts Look right at that. Here. Presents. Festivus. Yeah, we like that. The, the, the presents that I forgot, you know, around the tree. Now I just grabbed them. Yeah. Appreciate it, I'm going to give Dennis a freebie. In oh, Canada. I'll take it. I yeah, like freebies. I'll pay for the Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> Get them where it hurts. I love it. Yeah. Have a good one, CC. Right. Enjoy you your guys. holidays. Take care.
All right. Much love in the chat there for CC. I see you guys in the chat. Appreciate that. Let's get back towards the market. What do you see from the SPY right now, Dennis? And then we'll do a little bit of ticker time, team. So go ahead and throw up some tickers. We've kind of stabilized a, a little bit here. We're pulling back, giving back about half of yesterday's gains. I do expect this dip to likely get bought on some of these growth names because they were you know, people chasing them yesterday. They're like, okay, here's my opportunity. The people who didn't jump in, even myself, yeah. because I didn't chase it yesterday. But I'm looking here and thinking, I could set up well here. So um, I'd be looking at like 50% retracements of yesterday's moves on these on these, um, you know, on these these names, obviously. Like I said, you know, there was a lot of big moves and some of the beaten down names yesterday. I think that could keep going. So if you look at ARKK, I mean, it's almost there. Take, you know, yesterday's move from 30 to 31.40 back to 30.62. I think there's an opportunity here actually to go long. Now, again, these are not going long term portfolio. These are trades. But again, I'm just setting up maybe myself to go into the January effect saying, hey, I think there could be a little bit more follow through. The tax loss selling will end. I don't want to be early, though. I would love it more later in the day because that tax loss selling hits you late in the day. You're like, oh, my gosh, I'm early and I lose because of that. That's why you know I was cautious chasing yesterday because yeah. well, it's not January yet. And there could be some more tax loss selling. There's bag holders sitting all over this. And when you're ever buying stocks in the downtrend, there's always a hell of a lot of risk. I mean, those yeah. are the riskiest trades. Yes, it's awesome to catch the turns, but it's tough. The timing of them is tough. And here they jumped the gun and they bought them a day early here or two days early, really, because they started buying them yesterday morning. So got to, you know, there's a lot of balls to juggle here. But right now I'm leaning towards buying this pullback here in the growth names, not, not going to be buying it in the value names. I think the first week could set up okay for that. Again, the first tape bomb derails the whole trade, though. So you got to get out once the first tape bomb hits. All right. Timing is everything. Yeah, it definitely is. And uh, I think one of the things that we'll keep in mind is the primary trend is still down. Oh, I yeah. Mean, I mean, overall. You're fighting the tape. Don't, don't forget about that, right? And if, if you, you want us are... to sit this one out, by all means, set it out. I mean, you know, I'm a trader. I have to make my living trading, so I got to make calls like that. You know, jumping in. I'll watch Tesla for the leadership. And if Tesla can all of a sudden start to roll green here again, I don't know if it's going to, but if it starts to, I'll start to then look, you know, to some of these other Kathy names that might be lagging a little bit again, right back to relationships. So Tesla is my indicator for all these names. All right. Let's go to some of the ones from the chat. Now we'll go to GE first one up here. Uh, didn't have a bad day yesterday. I was able to bounce back a little bit here. Uh, General Electric going to be joining, right? We talked about it on the 4th. Uh, they'll be doing a little bit of a split. Part of it will be joining the S&P 500. Do you feel this could get a lift based on that? No, I think it's already in there. I think it's already popped. I think it could get All a temporary right. lift. I think it'd be another selling opportunity. These are the kind of names that I think are crowded longs. They're again, you know, is this going to hold up better if we go into a full recession? I don't even know that. It's just... I don't think it has any business of having the run that it's had. I mean, let's look at where GE was and where it is now. You know, a month yeah. and a half ago, when I raised thrown in the towel in early October, I guess it was two months ago now, stock's down the low 60s. Now it's in the mid-80s. This has been a good run. I think it's time to ring the register and set out the rally because, you know what, January effect is not going to help a stock like this. And not many runs for 30% in a lot of stocks this year. So, There's so uh, many of these value names that did just that, though. So, I yeah. mean, those are the names that actually ring the register on. Um, and we talked about these already. You know, you got stocks sitting up at all-time highs. I know I keep picking on deer, but it's right up here on all-time highs. Yeah. No business being there. I don't care. Oh, we can justify and try to find some fundamental reason for it being there. The reason it's there is it has a low PE and they were gravitating low PE stocks. I think that trade comes off in 2023 as well. Yeah, and I think that last rejection right here through the 440s um, that went to 442 and couldn't close even near that, it closed at 436, told me everything on Deer. I could see it coming down. And if Deer's coming down, I'd see Cat coming down. Picard coming down. Picard's already starting Some to Some of those, blue. and again, they're up near the high. So again, you're fighting the trend here, and, and the technicians will say, why are you selling stocks that are in uptrends and Caterpillar's in a clear uptrend, you know? Yeah. Because I make my business, you know, uh, trading, you know, and I'm looking for little, you know, lead, and I'm looking, you know, at different factors. I don't just look at technicals. Technicals are one tool in my toolbox. I look at relationships. I look at the macro environment. Mm -hmm. I'm also looking, you know, at just, you know, the, the businesses themselves. Throw some fundies in there, too. It doesn't make sense to me. You know, so Another it doesn't make sense is, to me. I'm definitely not buying them. Am I shorting them? I don't know. But if I was long them, I'd sell them because 
I don't think that I'm just of the opinion it all starts top down approach here right now because the Fed has controlled that. Sometimes we're on bottom yeah. up. This is top down. The Fed has completely controlled 2022. They completely told you what they were going to do, and the markets responded like they should have. Exactly. But now they're still in the same camp. So why am I going to turn around and start buying all these stocks at all time highs when the Fed has not indicated at all that they are slow? Look, maybe they're going to slow a little bit, but there's no pivot anywhere close to the future here. So there's no reason to go and buy stocks at all time highs right now, in my opinion. All right. What about like a square? That's in the growth category. Uh, again, this yesterday. could have a relief pop. And again, I would throw it into January effect. Yeah, I would be maybe buying square here today. Nice pullback here. I do think you could have a decent first week of January. Again, if we get that first tape bomb, you know, maybe that trade gets derailed. We're just renting these stocks for a potential run up in, in January. And again, I would stop myself out on the low of the move. Whenever you put on a trade, always have a contingency plan. You mm -hmm. could be wrong. I'm wrong lots of times. I would say I stop myself out at the low of the move, which would be about 58.30. It starts going down below 58 bucks. It's over. It didn't work out. I'll take my 5 6% loser and move on. I don't have positions in any of these. I'm just setting them up ahead of time, telling you what I'm looking at. I'm looking at potentially buying some of the pullbacks and some of these names here today. And then, um, you know, maybe selling them if we obviously get that lift. If it doesn't work out and if January effect does not come to fruition, we don't see the relief pop. Maybe, you know, we get hammered with a tape bomb right away. Then I'm going to get out and try to minimize the losses as quickly as possible. Here's an interesting one we don't talk about too on a daily basis is uh, we'll do Coke here to end off here. Uh, Money's Coke. all hiding in Coke. Makes no sense to me. Stocks near all-time highs. If you want to be in Coke, be in cash. Yeah. Uh, Pepsi is what I would say on that one. Pepsi let it. Same thing. If Pepsi Coke, leads down. Pepsi, Staples, um, people are hiding there because they think, okay, well, they're more recession-proof. Yeah, but you know what's even more recession-proof? Cash. Cash. Cash it, is king. I'm saying, Especially if inflation's if coming down. If you want to be in Staples and you want to be in utilities, why not just be in cash? The cash yield is better than the Coke yield. It's better than the Pepsi yield. And you don't have the market risk. I think the Tina trade comes for these stocks. That's just my opinion. Again, I might be wrong, but I think the Tina trade is going to come for these stocks. All right. And uh, just for the last one here, there was one that I wanted to touch here. Uh, what was that? I just missed it there. All right. Well, we can wrap up there. Uh, we touched pretty much every major stock today. We will keep an eye on Apple, Tesla. What will happen there? Apple's coming down right now in the pre-market. Came down to a pre-market low of 127.83. For me, this needs to recover 129. If it doesn't recover 129 today, I might be looking for a, a little bit of a drag on Apple. And if Apple drags and the leadership drags, just be careful, team, because that's what we've been seeing. Yesterday, we started seeing at least some of the spy into the green, right? What will happen today in our leadership? Will that just start coming down right now? We're starting the day a little bit into the red there. We'll see what happens. And Tesla, man, just keeps coming down now below PG. Uh, it was it was uh, PG was below it earlier in the week, and it just keeps getting knocked down from the top leadership there, and keep could keep going. Te uh, Nvidia, the next one at 349.5 uh, billion market cap right now. It's at around 349. Oh no, Tesla's at 353.2. We'll see what happens there if Tesla keeps getting knocked out from our leaders. All right, that's going to do it for us. That's going to wrap up 2022, team. Awesome. Hit the like button. I hope that you guys enjoyed everything that we did on the year. You guys enjoy Dennis Dick, Joel Alconi. I Al hit the like button. I'm hitting the like button right now. I got to like the last show. Like. And we appreciate you guys, chat, because you guys always join us. Give us some stocks that you guys are looking at, sometimes calling out even catalysts. That's what it's all about. We're definitely a community here trying to build towards the open. Sometimes even you guys bring in the top play of the day. So appreciate they you do. guys. The chat, chat has been fantastic. Thanks to everyone. Thanks for everyone who's participated in the chat this year. I've learned so much from you guys and girls. And I've obviously um, get your great trading ideas from all of you. It's why I do this show. I don't do it for the money. I'll tell you that. I do this show to learn 
from other traders. We're part of a community. We're always learning. Even if we've been trading 23 years, it doesn't matter. We always have to be learning. I learned so much from everybody out there. Thank you so much, Money Mitch. Thank you for, you know, coming in here part of the way through the year, filling in for Spencer and, you know, doing a great job at that. We really appreciate it. Obviously, you know, it was a huge loss when we lost Spencer, but we've got Mitch and he gets better every show. So get some love to Mitch as well. And um, Joel, get back safe and go blue. Go blue, go blue. Have a good one, Dennis. Have a good end of your year. Happy New Year. finish off the right way like you know best, my friend. Have a good one. All right. Definitely happy New Year's. Still seeing them rolling through. That's what I love about you guys, chat. Definitely giving the love out there. And I don't want to leave anybody out. I'm going through all these messages here because mad love to all you guys that stick around with us, especially you loyal listeners out there. You guys know exactly who you are that tune in every single day to support Benzinga and our crew. We have a great team here. We're going to keep expanding. So by any means, you guys want to join the Benzinga team. I talk about it, the number one place to grow, whether that be your career skills, whether that be your understanding in the financial markets, whether you want to join our events business that keeps growing, whatever it may be, if you want to grow right here, on Benzinga is the place to be. I'll see you guys like always, team. Hit the thumbs up. And like always, we'll have a good day. We won't be having at the close. I just want to let you guys know I'm going to be taking the day off today. I did want to come here, of course, to pre-market prep to get you guys ready for your trading day. I'm going to do maybe a little bit of trading, take a look into the open. Uh, But after that, probably be wrapping up. We'll see you guys on Tuesday. Don't miss it. New page, new year ready for some cool stuff. And like always, I do want to give you guys a little bit of bonus next year. I want to let you guys know I'm going to be doing a book club. Yes, I said it, a financial book club. Here is the form. If you guys want to start joining in, I'm going to start putting, I think I need to put it up again here. Didn't see a space there between. Let me make sure we get another space there so you guys can click the link there. All right, there you go. Just put it up. This is going to be a financial book club to go ahead and build on your skills. What we're going to be doing, we're going to be going chapter by chapter in different books, taking a look into learning, learning aspects. It will be psychology. It will be in the patterns. It will be in investments, retirement. Join us. Join the financial book club, Benzinga's financial book club that will be starting up next week. Towards the end of the week, we'll do a little bit of a meeting and build together. Hope that you guys can join us in 23. A lot of things up my sleeve and I'm ready to bring them for you guys in 23. We'll see you guys a little bit later. Have a great trading day. Hope that you guys end the year with a bang. But like always, we'll see you next time. One last time. Let's go. Let's go. Have a good one, team. Enjoy the rest of your 22. We'll see you in 23.